This is the Tribune Audio Network. This is the Backstory Podcast. I'm Larry Potash. On this show, we uncover the backstory behind some of the most intriguing tales in history, culture, science, and religion. This backstory may go back further than any we've done or could do. The story of people staring at the stars. We can see so much more today and understand more of what we see, but progress presents its own problems. We look to the past, present, and future of the search for answers to one of life's great mysteries. What's out there? One thing that separates astronomy from the rest of science is that you don't have to have a PhD in astrophysics to peer through a telescope and marvel at the night sky. That's exactly what connects us through the millennia with people from the past, is we all look up at the sky and wonder. The disadvantage is, of course, most of that stuff is out there, not right in front of us. Science shows us how to connect. Astronomy is awe-inspiring. To be able to see the beauty in the construction of something, the beauty of how something works, the fact that you can use a mathematical formula and figure something out and go, and there it is right there. I can, I can see the connection. The history of astronomy in America takes us away from the big city to an ornate building on a hill a beautiful place that is the first of its kind. This observatory is sort of the holy grail in the world of astronomical observation. And despite major advances in technology since it's built more than a century ago, it's still helping us find answers in the sky. Irving Olson wants to see stars, but astronomy takes time to locate the right site and wind and rain can interrupt a viewing session, leaving Irving to start his search again some other night. But this gives him an idea, a farm silo. It inspires his new product in 1955, a cost-efficient, easy-to-operate observatory, the Ash Dome. We do ship all over the world. We're probably in 70, 80 different countries. Riley Brannon is now the president of Ash Manufacturing in Plainfield, Illinois. You put a dome over it, and that way, like I said, you leave it set up, and you can get out there, operate it, clouds roll in after an hour. It's not a disappointing night. You don't have to take everything down and pack it up and roll it into the garage. A lot of people like you know, the challenge of setting up the telescope, but over time, I think they're more interested in seeing what's out there in the night sky. What's out there? What's our place in the blackness? And do we share it with anyone? Scientists study more nuanced questions, but these are the ones that are front and center, and the evidence is far and scattered. And people want to know, are there aliens there? <laughs> um, is there life there? Michelle Nichols is an educator at the Adler Planetarium. It all comes back to us. What are we interested in? We're interested in the weird, we're interested in life, we're interested in how up there connects with down here. How up there connects with life down here. That's the mission of this observatory built in Williams Bay, Wisconsin in the 1890s. It's often referred to as the birthplace of modern astrophysics. 
It's called the Yerkes Observatory, and it's the vision of George Hale, as in the Hale-Bopp comet. So this is to you know restore the brick. Dennis Coyce is the director of the Yerkes Future Foundation and Observatory. I was amazed. I grew up not that far from here, and I never knew this existed in Wisconsin or the region. I kind of, my jaw dropped when I drove up the, the driveway. It's just something that you are shocked exists in your community you knew nothing about. At the turn of the century, its telescope is the largest in the world. It's 64 feet long with two 40-inch diameter lenses. The University of Chicago closes Yerkes Observatory to the public in 2018 and transfers ownership to a private foundation, which is raising money to restore it to its original beauty more than a century ago. It's incredibly significant for who worked here. Um, some of the Nobel Prize winners and some of the scientists who came through this institution. Just some of the most amazing discoveries in the world were made here. From scientists like Edwin Hubble of the Hubble Telescope. One of his most famous discoveries, which is that the universe is expanding, which isn't something we knew until you know, the last century, was made here, really, using this equipment. The University of Chicago chooses Williams Bay, Wisconsin, 90 miles away from the city. Because even in the late 19th century, light pollution is an issue. It's just an amazing piece of engineering and technology. You know, this is a mechanical roof you know, that weighs tons, built in the 1890s, you know, at the time when people were still discovering how to build bridges properly and things. It's an incredible that it still runs and still works, and it's just so cool to be a part of restoring it and bringing it back to life. So this is the largest elevator in the U.S., we're told. So the eyepiece could be at an angle at any height. Right, because if you're shooting low at the horizon, the telescope might be almost horizontal. If you're shooting you know, ah. a really high in the horizon star, it might be almost vertical. And so the floor had to accommodate anything in between. Albert Einstein is so impressed, he requests a visit during his trip to the United States in May of 1921 clearly was one of the highlights of his trip. So he's, he's kind of a local hero. Um, it's grown in stature over the years. I think now people say practically he lived here, yeah. you know, he, <laughs> he founded a bakery here or whatever, but um, he was here for a day, but that's still pretty amazing. Right. In the old days of the giant telescope, scientists capture images on glass plates. And basically these are inverted. So what you're seeing is dark spots on here where the stars, and it has the information on when this one was taken. This was May 17th and 18th, 1939. 177,000 are still stored here at the Yerkes Observatory because they still have a place in the world of high-tech astronomy. It lets you travel back in time, basically. It's what did the moon look like 125 years ago, or what did the star cluster look like, and how has it changed in 125 years? Albert Einstein, Edwin Hubble, Carl Sagan, George Hale, all walk these beautiful halls of Yerkes Observatory. But who is Yerkes? Charles Yerkes is a wealthy transportation tycoon who owns two-thirds of Chicago's street railways. He contributes $300,000 in 1892 to build the observatory, about $9 million in today's money. He's also widely known, as I understand, as the most hated man in Chicago. Um, he bribed, he used all kinds of underhanded means to get his work done. 
how many places can you actually go to say, Einstein stood here, is reflected off that mirror up to a secondary mirror at the top, and then comes- Tyler Linder is a planetary defense researcher. I've dreamed of asteroids since four years old. All of our asteroid work is we want to find the killer asteroid so that we can predict the next asteroid Earth impact. Aside from the large dome, we walk up this spiral staircase to one of two smaller domes furnished by Ash Dome Manufacturing. It goes into a four-port selector, so we can either have uh, viewing where you can look at the telescope directly, or this sends it to a CCD camera and a filter wheel. These days, astronomers like Tyler don't have to be here to put their eye to a telescope. Through robots and computers, they can tap into telescopes like this one. The work astronomers do will be the foundation for the future, just as their work is part of the legacy of those who come before them. One of those scientists who does research here in the 1930s, Alan Hynek. The government relies on him to essentially debunk unidentified flying objects. Hynek then becomes a UFO proponent, and in 1973 starts the Center for UFO Studies in Evanston, Illinois. He comes up with a scale to better classify UFOs called Close Encounters. In the 1977 movie called Close Encounters of the Third Kind, he gets a cameo. That's Alan Hynek playing himself. And he is in the movie at the very end. He's in the crowd when the alien ship lands at the base. I hope I'm not spoiling any of the, uh, any of the movie, but it is one of my favorites from when I was a kid. I used to watch that all the time. <laughs> UFOs have made headlines recently, not in supermarket tabloids, but the New York Times in 60 Minutes. Experienced pilots tell stories of unidentified flying objects, but astronomers stress unidentified is a long, long way from being a flying saucer. We have telescope surveys that are surveying the entire sky five, ten times a night. So unless aliens know our observing cadence, uh, we've never detected something that we don't know what it is. So for them to be hiding, I think the answer is no. When did a lot of this start rising up? You know, when the black and white alien movies come out in the 40s and 50s and 60s. Um, and then, whoa, all the aliens suddenly started looking like all the ones you see on the screens. Storytelling is an important part of astronomy. Telescopes and spaceships are expensive. And sometimes people need convincing to see the value of investing in space exploration. Yerkes is revitalizing the birthplace of astronomy to be a mecca for people interested in these big questions. The big picture is about survival. I mean, we, you know, this planet has a lifespan and, you know, and that's a tough thing to contemplate as a human being. Um, but, you know, some future generation is going to need to have an answer on where do we go next, you know, or how can we survive as a species. Asteroids, light pollution, space junk all expensive problems the world must solve together. I may not be able to make major scientific discoveries right in my career, but you never know who you're teaching who will. What five-year-old are you going to inspire for that next generation who is going to be that, that Einstein? Thanks for listening to Backstory. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute to subscribe to our podcast or leave a review. To watch our full coverage of this story and see some that didn't make it to the podcast, visit us online 
at WGNTV.com slash backstory. This has been a production of the Tribune Audio Network.